What's up, stoners? Welcome back to another episode of That Bedtender Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Blanche. Today we're going to be sitting down with my friend Danny Crone, and we're going to be chatting about a bunch of different things. We're going to talk about discovering his passion for acting at a really early age, the importance of rest and incorporating cannabis into your self-care rituals, we're going to get pretty political. I'm not going to lie. We will get into the corruption and the many layers of American hypocrisy and politics. We're also going to talk about the true meaning of governance. Oh yeah, we're going there. There's a couple soapboxes that we step on in this episode, and I think it's just important to talk about in hopes for a better future, um, in order for everyone to thrive. And we're also going to talk about getting your parents to try CBD for the first time and what that might look like. So I hope you have something to smoke. I hope this Friday, or I guess whenever you're listening to this, I hope this finds you well. I'm going to wrap it up. I hope you do too. So I could smoke this blunt. Danny and I met at the cafe. We both started out as flower hosts. Did you have previous serving experience before that? No, I I'd never worked in a restaurant. I wanted to work in a restaurant forever, you know, because I feel like that's like the typical like actor thing. Oh, so you wanted to do it for your craft. Yes, you know, <laughs> that's like what everyone says is like, you move to LA and you're a waiter forever and then you're an actor. And so I'm like, all right, like, let me see if I can get in this. So I felt like when the cafe was opening, I was like kind Kind of done with med men and I was looking for the next thing I was like this might be the perfect opportunity for me to just like talk to people and sell the weed my two favorite things I'm honestly fascinated by where you come from because I think it's a really magical place. So yeah, why don't you tell us all a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I'm from uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, which is, I think, the most beautiful state in the Union. I'm very biased, though. Uh, grew up there like I always wanted to be an actor, um, you know, living in like small town Santa Fe. And so I did community theater a lot. And then I ended up going to like an art school that was out there um, where I had just like a whole host of like random crazy jobs like I feel like my my theme with like employment has always been like well what I really want to do is be an actor and so like I'm just gonna dick around and like find all these like <laughs> other crazy like jobs that just like sound fun for like six months or a year and then like I'll go find something else so like I worked in a factory for a little bit like I worked at an opera I worked there for like five years um, at this like really fancy opera house. What was that like? That, that's very niche. Very niche. Like I, that job taught me customer service like no other because it, it's like the Santa Fe Opera, like in the opera world is considered like one of the most elite in the US. Like people mm. come from like Every summer, people come from all over the world to just, like, see the operas. And so when people are paying $500 for a ticket, there are certain expectations that go along with that with how, like, your evening should go, right? And so, like, I started as an 
usher. I ended as the assistant house manager. And it's all just like, <laughs> when you're an usher and someone's mad at you, you like pass it off to the next person. And I just like got promoted through those positions until like the, I'm the person that everyone has to yell at. Yeah. Do people yell a lot? Yes. Oh my God. More than you would think. So there's- Yeah. What goes down at the opera house that people really need to get that upset about? There was this one time where um, our parking lot was like- trash like it was just it was a confusing lot like the people working it like weren't the best at explaining what needed to happen anyway it was always drama with the parking lot and this woman comes up to me at an intermission and she tells me this big old long story about how she's coming back with her mother and who was like in her 90s and she didn't have a handicapped parking spot but she wanted a handicapped parking spot just for the night i knew that couldn't happen but i'm like you know what like let me see what i can do and then I'll get back to you, right? And so I find her at the end of the show, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, we cannot issue you, like, a one-time handicap pass because mm. everyone in the audience will qualify. Like, the entire audience is, like, over 90. I explain it all to her. I'm like, if you come early, we have a pre-show lecture. You can have a picnic up here. It's really beautiful. Like, she gets it. She's fine with it. She leaves. Her friend comes up to me, and she's like, I could see the steam like mm. coming out of her ears and she's like you know what this is by the way by the way this is at midnight after a three hour opera and like I hate opera also like I what? I don't enjoy the art form like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like clearly into it and that's why you oh no <laughs> <laughs> this job, I sometimes feel like, you know, there's that there's that chemical that gets released when women give birth to make them, like, forget the pain to want to have it again. Like, that's what happens at the end of every summer. Like, you just forget oh all the God. bullshit that you went through. But anyway, so it's midnight. It's, like, after this really long, really boring opera, like, I just want to go home. I'm trying to lock up the theater. And her friend is like, you know what? I knew, I knew all those people in parking were fuckers. I didn't know that you were a fucker, too. Oh. God. Have a great evening. Yeah. Enjoy. That's where I learned that, like, whenever a customer is, like, irate or yelling or being rude, mm. you just, like, take that feeling, like, uh, and it's, like, making you feel, like, mad or angry or whatever it is. Like, you take that feeling and you just turn into a smile. And, mm. like, the more irate people would be, like, the more rude people would be, like, just the wider my smile gets. And I'm, like, I'm going to be so accommodating to you. Kill them with kindness. Yeah. Because then... They feel like the asshole at the end when you just provide them like really good service and right. then they have to look in your eyes knowing that they're just like raging assholes to you. It's always insane to me to think how people speak to one another. Yes. Or how people speak to us, mm -hmm. those of us <laughs> working in the service industry, because yeah. it would never cross my mind to ever like not even to raise my voice at another adult stranger unless someone was yeah. like in danger <laughs> but like never and parking yeah. sucks i get parking drama but not to the point to like yeah. call you a fucker to your face yeah i mean i i feel like one people who haven't worked in any kind of service don't understand what it is and I, I feel like many people assume that when they ask an individual, like, who works in a company, when they ask the individual something, that individual is responsible for the outcome. Right. When in reality, that individual is really just like a conduit for the company policy. That individual is just trying to make rent. Correct. And like, they have nothing to do with your issue. 
this is another big lesson I learned, like, never underestimate the power of entitlement. Oh my god, no. Because, like, my god, like, they could be, like, in the most beautiful place on earth, and if, like, you're entitled enough and something isn't going your way, like, it's gonna be a big, insurmountable problem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a great word. (laughs) Okay, so, so you're growing up in Santa Fe, you know you want to be an actor, you've known since a child, that was always a passion for you? Yeah, like, I, when I was, like, a kid, my parents were trying to find like what they could put me into to keep me like occupied and Mm -hmm. so like off the streets exactly off the the real rough streets of santa fe streets of santa fe um (laughs) like it was clear that sports wasn't it you know um and then like when i was like seven or eight my mom put me in a like summer theater program and like the story she tells it's very cute she she says that I like walked on stage for the first time and she started crying because she knew that I was home and like that's (laughs) I know that's so precious (laughs) um but like yeah like I I just like I was walked out on that stage and like I was like I want to be here for the rest of my life yeah it's addicting it is yeah the limelight. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best the best high you'll ever have, kid. <laughs> Let me tell you what. <laughs> you know how I'm going to compare yeah. to the one on stage. When you're on stage, <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right, let's take, let's take another hit. Beautiful. Pass that. That's great. I took this, like, I traded... Okay, so I'm curious to know the cannabis scene growing up in Santa Fe. What was that like for you? Do you remember the first time you smoked weed? Oh oh my god, so I didn't smoke until I was like 17 or 18. Both my parents, they're like in the older generation and they're very strict with me. And so like no partying, no drinking, no smoking, no nothing, right? And then when I was in my senior year of college, I was applying to all these different theater programs and I was like really excited about it. And... Like my, my dad was gone for the weekend and I heard back from the last school that I didn't get in. And I had been like so straight edge and like I wasn't drinking and like I wasn't going to smoke. Like I didn't want to do anything. I was so focused on this. And I just had this like clarity moment of like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck. It. And I call my friends. I'm like, I think the time has come. Like, I want you guys to get me high. <laughs> time has come everyone had been waiting for like all my friends are like danny like when are you going to smoke weed what was it did they bring you a joint oh we we had a bowl i mean like definitely it's changed a little bit now but especially back in the day (laughs) (laughs) no i agree i was it was all pipes and bowls right yeah you know and and you smoke what you got from dave in the co-op parking lot exactly And so, like, I I remember so distinctly one, like, you know, everyone, like, our brains are all different and everyone's brain has, like, a thing that, like, it's just going to light up. And, like, that was my brain on cannabis. And it was, like, mm. I just felt so happy and I was so giggly. And it felt like, you know, those, like, flip books where it's, like, each page is a yeah. different flip and it does a little cartoon. Like, it felt like I was, like, living oh. one of those. And I was, like, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> So did you start consuming regularly after that? Well, I think that part of like the fun of it at the beginning was like, it was so difficult to get weed. Mm. And so like, you know, it's like 
Friday night comes and you're calling like every person that might know how to get it. Yeah. And like you're calling a dealer and he doesn't. Now it's someone else's phone number and like all this crazy shit. And so like it was always like a big chase to get it. And then like everyone's like pooling their money because no one has money. And right. you have like enough that's going to last you and like. We were such fools. Like, I had, like, a little, like, squad of, like, stoner guys, and we would all hang out. And, like, the myths about, like, weed and what we thought it would do, like, mm. I, you know, we'd, like, take a hit and then, like, do push-ups. Like, because that's going to get you higher, you know? Ooh. Or, like... <laughs> <laughs> or, like, th this one, like, uh, we... Someone had the logic of, like, oh, water clings to thc and that's why bongs get you so high therefore if we smoke in someone's bathroom and then get wet uh washcloths and spin them around <laughs> afterward it's gonna collect all the weed smell and then it's not going <laughs> to smell like weed anymore and we thought we were so smart smash cut to four sweaty dudes in yeah. a, like just swinging <laughs> wet towels oh my god this is the craziest shit i've ever heard we all walk out like eyes so fucking red right. we think we're so sly like nobody knows <laughs> We've been whipping around wet towels. How would they ever know? <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, just thank you for sharing that. I've never, I, never in my life heard of anything like that before. I, I'm happy that like this is a good space for it. I've tried to tell that story to customers like before, <laughs> thinking that is really funny, and no one, no one thinks it's funny <laughs> when they're shopping for weed. They're like. I don't like this man. Um. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Okay. Okay. Wow. And it's like my edibles kicking in. So now I can just picture that. Oh. Just going up, baby. oh my gosh. Okay. So now let's cut to your, in your theater program. Are you consuming, am I screaming? Are you consuming cannabis in an effort to let out that more creative side? Was that also maybe an assumption like, hey, if I smoke weed, I'll be, I might be freer. I might read the script differently or connect with something that, you know, maybe I hadn't before. I think at that point, because once I went to college, I went to college out here and there was like, it was an art school. It was like the OG art school. And so it had a whole culture of drugs and smoking and like why you go to art school yeah. um, <laughs> and so but i i had become really aware of like how to use cannabis to fuel creativity because for me i have if i'm going to use cannabis tell my creative side is for like very specific things you know it's like the like this one moment maybe I wanted a little different inside on or I'm developing something, you know, mm -hmm. I'm developing like a dance piece and like I'm going to smoke a little bit and like that'll come out, you know. But I feel like I have to be so like aware and like on when performing that like mm. we just really doesn't help that like at all. And, like, throughout all of that, you also have to be, like, having genuine human experiences and, like, connecting to whether it's, like, the audience or their, your fellow performers. Like, you want to connect to each other. And, like, that's really what it's about 
especially if you're like in an ensemble piece, like when one person isn't there or like you're not there, it's just, it's hard to like live through it. Well, that's interesting because you're no longer yourself essentially on stage. Now you're this person, this character. So it's like if that character wouldn't be high, it wouldn't make much sense for you to be in a high state playing that character. So then how did you end up working in the cannabis industry? So it was I had just graduated from college and I was like in a bit of a free fall, like a bit of blind panic. How do I pay rent and live life outside of the like an academic setting? And I was in West Hollywood with a group of friends, and one of the guys there was working at MedMen, and he like he was just going off about like how amazing it was mm-hmm. because this was like this was still like the first year after cannabis had been legalized, and like MedMen was like a fucking party back then, like lines out the door. Like when I started working there in October, we were still like full like at capacity from the time we open till the time we close and like everyone's feeling it everyone's going um and so it was a lot of fun to work there you know for that time and then like shortly after I started working there like something shifted you know and I think that always happens when a prohibition ends is Mm -hmm. that like you have a brief period of time where people just go fucking nuts because like they can and like it's new and blah 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 but it's eventually it's not new anymore you know, and it's just like for people who smoke, that becomes like a part of their routine is going to the dispensary. It's not like the big event that it once was. It's like you're running to CVS. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and so like I, I kind of saw the like fall off from it being this like new amazing thing. And like people are coming to L.A. just to go to the dispensary and just to learn and like yeah. da 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 da. But like I'm so happy that I worked there because like I'm such a huge nerd you know and that i got like really interested in like terpenes and how weed works and how it's grown and like how edibles are made and like i just was really fascinated by all of that and there are people who work there who are like encyclopedias of knowledge Mm. on cannabis and i will always ask questions like i'm i can be the most most like annoying person because i'm always like and what about this and like well i was thinking about that (laughs) so just like all day i'm like going up to these guys i'm like well when you say cbn like does that like asking like hyper specific (laughs) questions you have to yeah and like they were very generous with our knowledge and like they they taught me like everything that i know You have to you have to pay respect where respect's due for Absolutely. sure because it takes years to really not only wrap your mind around everything that's happening yes. scientifically within the plant, but also enough to be able to then communicate yes. it in a way that's digestible <laughs> for yes. people. Yeah, it takes time. I think that that's like the biggest challenge I think of being a bud tender, and, and I think especially depending on where you're working and what like the vibe of the shop is right Mm -hmm. because I mean there are some shops that like they want to have a personalized experience for you and you're gonna like learn all this stuff and the the bud tenders can answer any questions and yada yada and then there are the shops that's like you go in like everyone knows what they want like you Mm -hmm. don't really have to like sell it or explain it but when you're but when you do and like like, I love working with old people. Like, it's probably from the opera, but, like... You loved that at the cafe, yeah. too. Those were, like, Every your favorite Every time, I'm like, fuck yes. Like, we're about to party. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every time, like, someone with gray hair would walk in MedMen, they'd be like, all right, Danny, like, you're up. And then I'd have, like, a very nice, like, 45-minute conversation with someone's grandma. Like, <laughs> it was a dream. And now, 
So I've gotten both my parents on different CBD regimens. And thank you. Thank you. I I was trying to get my dad on this for so long. And finally, he got on it. I get this text from him and he's like, my back doesn't hurt anymore. And it fixed my foot. (laughs) Amazing. Yes. But now they've told their friends. And so a side gig during the pandemic has been like CBD consultant for like middle-aged white women. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's great. And then I can like, you know, talk about how CBD works and that like, I really enjoy. One of the things that I love the most about being a bud tender is like figuring out who someone is Mm. so you can like find like what's gonna match with them like the best you know because I'm a big believer in like the right cannabis for the right time is I guess what it is you know and so I remember one of the things that a mentor of mine said was like oh when you're talking about anxiety right it can't just be sativa's anxiety indicates no anxiety he was like find out like what triggers their anxiety so if you're someone who gets anxious by sitting around and not doing anything and being unproductive, like if that makes you anxious and an indica isn't going to help you, right? Right. Then you maybe want something more stimulating, you know? Or if you're the opposite, Mm -hmm. you know, that like being that hyped up makes you anxious, then you want to find like a nice linalool, like indica or something, you know? Yeah, totally. I know for myself as someone who can feel socially anxious the like super heady like the jacks and and the green cracks is going to be too much I'm going to be too in my head in the moment overthinking everything I've said and it's not going to be pleasant whereas say like a similar quote-unquote sativa strain like a sour diesel is perfect for me it's the complete opposite where it's like I'm just in a better mood I'm more fun but still relaxed enough to not be lost in my own head. It's interesting. We've been talking about terpenes a lot on the podcast. And it's funny how like, it's really only us bud tenders having that, these types of conversations when it's like, it really is such a tool for anyone who consumes cannabis to know and to be able to go up and ask about terpenes or see like something with linalool or myrcene, even if it's marked as a sativa, but knowing Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, those have anti-anxiety attributes. This might be something that I want to try and test out. You know, Terpenes, you you can boil, not all of them, but like a good amount down to like a really simple thing to remember. Mm -hmm. Like linalool, it's calming. It's going to be relaxing because linalool is found in lavender, right? And so you smell lavender, you calm down, yada, yada. Like the um, limonene is going to be a little bit hazier, you know? And so once you know these kind of key things and when you look at flour, especially if it has what the terpenes are in it, you can know like, oh, this is going to be... Like, it's going to be up, but it's going to be hazy, right? right. Maybe or a more creative high versus something you want to do when you're exercising. Exactly, right? Because, like, I'm, like, the right tool for the right job. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to work out, then you want the, like, jack or the AK-47 or whatever yeah. it is because you're, like, gonna go and your body's going to be moving too quickly for you to, like, get anxious sitting on your couch, you know? But, like, if you're just watching a movie, that sounds awful. <laughs> Speaking of reasons as to why we consume cannabis, what are some of the reasons you consume cannabis today? That's a really interesting question. And I think, you know, the reasons change and evolve. Um, I think right now, a lot of it is habit. Like, to be really honest, Mm -hmm. like, I just think that a lot of it is habit. Um, And I don't have anything to do. Like... (laughs) 
I have been unemployed since March 15th. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Same. And so, you know, it's like you, you be productive when you can and yada yada. But, you know, it's like I like being high at night. Like, I really like a heavy indica at night, especially because, like, my brain runs so quickly mm. and like my brain can be my own like worst enemy a lot of the times yeah. and like it just had this like constant like narration happening that like you know just yeah it calms it down just a little bit like and you can also say like this is the end of my night right like right. it gives a nice like back when i was busy and like i was working and doing things mm-hmm. like you know you got a thousand things that you need to do and then my anxiety would always kick in and be like well here's what else you could and should be doing mm-hmm. you know um and so just having a nice bookend to your day of like i've done all my stuff now i'm gonna watch tv right. or listen to music or whatever it is and just like smoke and chill Yes, it's like once nighttime came around and I was smoking something heavier and it just immediately allowed both my mind and body to relax and to kind of be like, okay, well, whatever wasn't done, will get done tomorrow. Like, let's focus on rest because that is just as important as productivity. Extremely so. I, I remember I had a conversation with a teacher in college where... I was like, you know, going and going and going and going and going and going. And like every time I would watch like Netflix, I would like get really hard on myself. Cause I'm like, you could be doing this and you could be improving and like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like driving myself absolutely insane. And so when I was talking to this teacher, she was like, no, like the, the moments of rest, like that's really important. And you're, it's still doing something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you need to treat your body well and your spirit well because if you if your mind is right and your body's right then you can do anything and you you can handle anything that comes to you but but if you're living in this like state of constant tension or stress or whatever it is um then it's like the things seem bigger and they're, they're harder to deal with because you're not at your full capacity because you haven't shown that self-care and that love towards yourself of rest how do you pull from something that's running on empty like you wouldn't expect a car to run if it didn't have any gas in it so it's like yeah the rest and whatever you consider self-care whether it's like dancing or journaling or bath time um which kush queen has fabulous bath bombs thc and cbd infused bath bombs i nothing better than like i would do this amendment because our shifts were nine hours like you finish a Mm. nine hour shift and then you get the thc rich bath bomb and you get a joint and you go home fill up your tub like throw that in light up the joint put on a podcast or something like oh my god the best the best and i would legitimately have the best ideas yes sitting in that bathtub just kind of letting everything marinate you know and just taking the time with it and kind of like um allowing myself to to expand and to follow those thoughts that i might not have gotten if i were just like trying to push more shit out of myself when it's like yeah i need i you need it you need it it's so important i would love to know one of the craziest things a patient has ever said to you oh Lord, let me. I mean, one working at the WeHo MedMen, just the amount of like 
really detailed information I would get on people's sex lives was like insane. Maybe because it's like, oh, it's weed. So like that barrier is broken down. So like these other barriers aren't as All firm. All hell breaks loose, I guess. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. This dude came in once and he's like, I need something to get me hard. Okay, like, here's our love and sex section. Uh-huh. He's, he's like, Viagra, yes, Viagra. Like, get me hard, get me hard. Like, I need to get hard. I'm like, oh my God, dude. Like, here's a sativa. Goodbye. Oh <laughs> or, you know, the, the dudes who are like, is that a suppository? Can you put it in for me? And like, no, sir. Wow. On both counts. Like, <laughs> goodbye. Um, but this was probably like my my like first month of working at MedMen and this this couple came in and like they looked straight out of like the RNC. Like <laughs> they, you know, were like this middle-aged, like could be senators, like well-to-do white people, really snooty and they're, they're asking me some questions and then they're, they like lead me to the corner of the store away from people and then they both get crazy eyes and they go, do you know how we can get some cocaine? We have a flight to Miami and we need cocaine for the flight, which uh, one, okay. If you're doing cocaine for a flight, for a four hour flight, that seems crazy to me. Yeah, I would um, agree. <laughs> why would you want to be hopped up on coke on a fl- I, flight? That sounds like my biggest nightmare. Yeah, same. Um, but they, they needed their coke for, for their flight. I'm like, no, we... We just always feel like we need the closest, like the closest thing that, that we can, that we can smoke. Like, oh, you're scaring me the way that your eyes. <laughs> I, they had like, like it went from like, I'm talking to two normal people to like fiends, yeah. just like absolute fiends in suits. Like it was so weird. Oh, that's really funny. Cause I, I've definitely been asked like similar questions or, or like pharmaceuticals. Like, do you know where I can get this? I, I blame scheduling. I blame the fact that, yeah. like, cannabis has been scheduled alongside cocaine and heroin and these things for decades where people think that we, too, have access to that. Although I will say there was this one gentleman that would come into the shop occasionally and he would tip us with Norcos. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. There's this, like, and I, again, I love my old people. So the, this woman was probably in her, like, mid 70s and there's like this one specific honey vape i don't even know if they like make it anymore i haven't seen them anywhere i don't think so but i know exactly what you're talking about and they would always get clogged and it was always an issue she came in she bought 25 of them and then she wanted to make sure that they all worked before she left because she knew because she knew that honey clogged right and so i go out and around the corner with her and i watch this old woman take 25 hits in a row <laughs> to make sure that they all worked and her eyes just got smaller and smaller and redder and redder and then she like gives me this like dazed look and is like now i'm ready to face the homeowners association and walked away what? i was like go go with god my friend like god bless you <laughs> Fuck honey. Fuck honey vapes. Fuck those things. They would always get clogged. But my biggest thing was, why do you guys keep buying them? I don't get it. I don't understand. And then come to me every other week. Can you believe it? It got clogged again. Yes. Yes, I can. I absolutely can. And then sometimes, sometimes it would be a matter of temperature. I don't know if you ever um, had this where it's like if you really just like held it in your hands and gave it some a little warmth, it would like get it going. So the amount of just like 
frozen honey vapes that would come to me around this time. <laughs> you just like, breathe on them and like rub it in your hand like does it work now? Literally those those were our our transactions and yes. our conversations for a good majority of my oh, bed tending. Oh, what, what was the Or did you turn the battery on? <laughs> And you know what? A lot of times they didn't. A lot of times they didn't. A lot of times the answer was no. You mean this turns on? Exactly. Um, and then what was the, was it Ascend? The ones that came in the, the, the tall boxes? Yes, that were super bulky. Yes. Carvana's Ascend. Yes. It was like their nicer line. Yes, yes. Well, so we sold them out the nose because they were the most expensive. And like, you know, Medmen was all about like upsell, 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 upsell your mind off, right? So you're, <laughs> you're selling everybody Ascend. Right. And then everyone comes back because they're leaking and then like these people would be like well maybe i just need to try a different ascend and you're like yes <laughs> i think you do need to try a different 85 dollar like it was the it was a strain that made it leak uh, sir you are correct <laughs> yo i don't yeah it would blow my mind i would even be like i don't know i don't vape there's a reason why i don't do it i don't no. fuck with it like I, and I get it. I guess it's the convenience of it, the accessibility of it. But I, damn. Dirty, dirty little secret. I have been vaping primarily, like, in the last month as, like, my main mode, um, which is really bad in many, <laughs> in, like, it, many ways. Explain, explain the ways. <laughs> I mean, one, like, it's... It's not like really weed, you know, like, like it gets you kind of high. It's, it's the lacroix of like smoking, you know, it's like there's a whole thing where like vapes in general just like aren't that good for you and like whatever. I feel like long term research isn't there. Correct. We don't know what the long term effects are. I just, you know, I feel like the, you know, the, the real stoners, like, you know, you have it on you to like keep you over, but like that's not your main mode but i mean like look there i can get a gram for like 40 bucks it'll last me like anywhere from three days to a week depending yeah. on how my day's going who are you buying so for those uh for the listeners who do like vapes who are who do you fuck with then okay i am again a bad bud tender here because i go with the cheapest <laughs> that is an old pal uh, <laughs> like okay. i need i need i can't do old, old pal because it just tastes like dirt but like the one step above that i'm like give me something that's like 85 percent <laughs> and under 50 dollars are you smoking raw garden i do love raw garden <laughs> oh my god the that's They're, how I would budget. If you came yes. into the shop and was like, this is my budget. These are my percentages. This is what I'm looking for. I'd be like, okay, you want raw garden. garden. I, yeah. And their, their live resin is like, by the way, okay, I will hop on my little live resin like soapbox for okay. a little bit. Um, be careful when you're out there buying them because a lot will say live resin, right? And what live resin is a form of extraction. Mm -hmm. it's, it's closer to a dab. You know, it is kind of the closest that you can have vaping to like a true flower experience that being said the industry has picked up on this buzzword of live resin and they're slapping it on everything and a lot of what you see that's labeled as live resin has live resin in it but it's not like all live resin also true live resin needs to be refrigerated mm -hmm. and so the, the 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 cartridges themselves like if you get a like a nice raw garden like full like um cartridge put in the fridge when you're not smoking it because it needs to be refrigerated okay. so if you see something on the wall 
it's not real life resin or the dispensary just like isn't taking that extra step. Yeah, because that yeah, that's exactly what that means, because typically you would pull whatever cartridges need to go into the fridge that night, each and every night, save them and then pull them out for the day in the morning. That's a nice little tip that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah, so put in the fridge, people. If you're if you're smoking vapes like Danny is, <laughs> <laughs> just the the look of shame, like just just pure shame that was thrown my way, <laughs> fully deserved. You know, I know I know that I'm down here in the shit. Like I will embrace it. No, you know what? It's a ve- it's a very East Coast approach and way of life that you you've taken on here on the west side so (laughs) i can't even really hate i have so many friends back home in new york that are like depend on those babes because they can't smoke in their apartments and yada 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 and it's a whole lot of bullshit but um but yeah teach their own teach their own man it's all good this next stimmy with the next stimmy maybe we can get some flour on I am ready for that stimmy. I fucking hate that I'm at the point where I'm like, if you gotta give me the 600, just like fucking give it to me. I hate, I hate the like, will they, won't they? Like, are we gonna save people or are we not? Like the fact that that's even a question. It's fucking disgusting. It, that makes me irate. That, okay. So talking about yelling at a stranger, that I have no problem yelling at a stranger. Yesterday emailed Mayor Garcetti because they were talking about um, doing another sweep of the homeless people, the unhoused. And they were going to do it like on Christmas Eve. They were supposed to do it on Christmas Eve and people got word and emailed and were like, you can't fucking do this you're insane so they're like okay cool we won't but secretly two days later yeah we'll just move the date so uh, just emailing him like do not send your goons out there like you're literally voted in sworn in to protect and serve i mean it's all a joke at this point but like how do you live with yourself i don't understand something that has gotten lost in american politics i'm also like very much into that Mm. is that No, we the people, right, and the ideal is we the people elect a representative, Mm -hmm. right, a a public servant who we choose to send to Washington to represent our needs, right? I, I think that so much of American politics has been lost in, like, oh, they're they're either untouchable or they're given celebrity status or whatever it is. And we need to remember that they're there on our behalf, mm-hmm. right? And anything that doesn't benefit us is something that you need to hold them accountable for. Yes. I think that what this year in particular has shown me, especially seeing how other countries and other governments have dealt with the pandemic, has made it so clear to me that true governance should be there to protect the most vulnerable member of your society. Mm -hmm. Because any society is only as powerful or only as whatever as its lowest member, right? And so we have veered so far from that, that it has become like the politicians are there to protect wealthy corporate interests Mm -hmm. on both sides. Mm -hmm. It's and They're all bad. All of them. They're all bad. All of them, you know? But I think true government should be there to protect the vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and to be there as a safety net so that you don't end up out on the street. It's since Canada has had UBI, universal base income, forever. Really? Yes. And they, like, they do it, and they call their unemployment insurance employment insurance, right? Because it is there to tide you over into your next job, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's 
these social services should be things that we can dip into and use when we need them and yet it's been so vilified in this country that like if you're on food stamps if you're whatever you're gaming mm-hmm. the system and blah 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 meanwhile the real people who game the system game it to give themselves tax credits and then you have people like jeff bezos who is the richest man on the planet and pays no taxes that was amazing (laughs) no please don't stay on forever um that was really incredible and so well said and it really is ironic that you guys are living off of us and you have the audacity to say that we're trying to live off the government i've been on food stamps my family's been on food stamps food stamps currently amen Thank thank god we have it yes yes Thank God that's even a thing, but it's just like, it is, it's, there's this stigma attached to it. Even more sad that people are making more money than they would on unemployment than employment. Like, look at, at how low our expectations and how, and what minimum wages, like what we're willing to accept just to get by and survive because we need to in this world. And they know that and they take advantage of that. It's despicable. Like growing up in the Caribbean, I always knew that our politicians were corrupt because it was more obvious. You know, our electricity would leave every day for two plus hours. If it rained too much, they would shut the water off because the rivers were too dirty to like have running water. So to have those necessities, those basic necessities not fulfilled and then seeing your politicians in helicopters and things like that, it's very clear where the money's going. I assumed America was better because I too fell for the propaganda of like, this is the best country in the world, yada, yada, yada. Look at all these opportunities, the land of opportunity. And it really is just this story that they're telling us. And it's more corrupt, I think, than any other country that I've ever yes. like experienced yes. before. It's, it's really insane. It's today, 2020 has been a big, big eye opener, I think, for a lot of people. I feel like the, the biggest or the, the clearest example of this is um that the as they were debating whether to give people six hundred dollars they passed one of the largest defense bills in our nation's history right and so when it's defense there's never a where's the money coming from that like it's never but we're in a deficit right? right which leads to the question who are you defending right because defense should be defending the people of the nation And yet you're going to spend like $700 billion or something on defense while you have people dying in the streets, right? right? While you have people who are about to be evicted from their homes. So what is there to defend, right? The enemy's inside the house. Especially as Americans outside of America, we are the enemy. No one likes us. No one likes us for a reason. You know, I grew up in high school, like learning history because America did invade the DR twice in the 1900s. You're taught America said they came because we we were having a civil war at the time, our country. So the excuse was, oh, well, we're going to be here to bring democracy. Oh, the infamous democracy. We're going to bring to your country and help you savages who can't figure it out for yourselves. Where it's like that only brought our country together. And then it became, okay, now we're Dominicans against Americans. Get these fuckers out of here. And so when you're absorbing our history as, as uh, a young adult, my history teacher would be like, yeah, they said it was for that. What they came for was our nickel, our gold, our that like 
we're all very clear uh, of America's intentions outside of America and why all that money does get funneled into the military, into defense. But it's like, it's like you said, who are we defending? Why are we putting ourselves in those situations to begin with? Why are we putting innocent young men and women into these positions, like just taking lives and, and families getting nothing for it? It's crazy. We don't support the veterans, like the, the, just just the oh my god the the layers I think of like American hypocrisy are are deep, and I think a lot of what you know the past presidency mm-hmm. has kind of done for a lot of people is kind of wipe away the veneer, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a the the American exceptionalism myth, especially if you are in the dominant culture mm-hmm. is a really comforting myth because like, oh, you, you won the lottery. You were born in America, right? Like that yeah. whole thing. And Especially if you're white in America. Correct. You know, and I think that over the past four years, we've seen the institutions aren't as strong as we thought that they were. You know, that the system is actually very much rigged against us and it has been for a long time. And, you know, the indoctrination that has happened to everyone who grew up in the you know, American education system has been indoctrinated and it's it's a powerful thing and it's, it's a hard thing to let go of. But I think that like there has been a shift, I think, especially with like our generation, um, not exclusively, but I think that we now kind of get the brunt of all these like decades and decades of policies that have been used to target people waiting for the siren. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably keep this in the, in the episode <laughs> anyway. Because that was really amazing. But yeah, the sirens. There are sirens every day in my neighborhood as well. We could talk about when- that. <laughs> minorities mostly. Um, it's a lot of Latino families. I hear sirens every single fucking day. Just, it makes me wonder, why? You know, I think the research is really clear that there is no difference and like the percentage of crime, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout different races, ethnicities, religious groups, like yada, 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 like people are people and the same percentages of us are going to commit crimes. Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of a thing. But there's so much more policing, mm-hmm. right? Because like white people don't get policed, like white neighborhoods don't get no. policed. And yet like, you know, growing up, the the high school that had the biggest drug use wasn't the public school. Oh, yeah. It was the prep school because mm-hmm. they can afford the nice drugs, yes. you know, but that's all fine. And their kids and they're growing and like, this is just like what they do. And we don't have to check in on that, you know? Right. Oh, wow. It just stopped. It sounded like it was right here. Um, right. They're not considered a threat right. yet right. or ever for that matter. It's interesting breaking down now these walls and these ideas and concepts of police and education yeah. and, and hopefully having aha moments. Like as horrible as 2020 has been, I still am incredibly hopeful because I feel like I feel like ignorance is bliss and knowledge is power. So as disturbing as the information might be, at least now we have a chance to do something about it and knowing how rigged everything is. Yeah, that was a nice tangent. Uh, We haven't really gotten into politics on here, but but a stimulus check will get... (laughs) Will get anybody going. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to know the greatest lesson bud tending has given you. Budtending has really taught me how to like meet people where they're at, 
you know, and, and, and then go from there because you have so many different kinds of people who come in and they're all there for different reasons. And, you know, there are people who are, like, super stoked to be there and, like, they just flew in from, like, Idaho and, like, you know, they're getting the full experience for the first time. Or you get, you know, people who've been smoking forever, like, yada, yada, yada. And you can't come to everybody with the same energy and you can't sell to everybody the same way, right? And so I think that really learning, like, where someone is... How comfortable are they? Is this someone that I can use slang with? Is this someone that I need to sound more scientific for? Like, where do they live? How do I find that? And then go from there. Like, and so that's what I love about, like, bud tending is what I love about the service industry is that you're able to have these kinds of connections with people like it's so funny we when i was working at MedMen, we had to do all these like your daily goal and like you would meet with the team leader and you would talk about what your three goals for the day are and they all want they want them to be sales goals right you're like i'm gonna sell this many this and yada 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 mm. i'm a little piece of shit and so i'd be like i want to make a friend like, <laughs> kind of as a fuck you like kind yeah. of you know <laughs> Um, but like, gen- like my day was made if like, I'm like, I just like had a really genuine connection yeah. with that person or like that person came in and they like weren't doing well and now they seem to be doing better, you know, like that's, I think like the best part of it, especially like figure out who they are and like what makes them tick and why did you come in here today? And like, okay, so like your in-laws are here and you're going crazy, like, cool, like, we can work with that, like, you know? Yeah, that one actually would come up a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Parents are visiting, gonna need something for that. Yeah, that would, that that was a common one. Yeah, it really, I love that. It is connection and it is meeting people where they are and, and being adaptable. The next thing we're going to get into is my segment called the re-up. So the re-up is basically rapid fire. I'm going to ask you questions pertaining to weed. Okay. Um, and I want okay. your, your stamps of approval, your favorites of the faves. Okay. okay. Your favorite word for cannabis. Jazz cabbage. I'm sorry? Jazz cabbage? <laughs> <laughs> Come again? What? I've never in my life. Have you never heard heard jazz cabbage? Clearly, I've never heard jazz cabbage. I mean, I do love all the dumb words around weed, so so I keep my ears open for them. Um, <sighs> jazz, like so from like Louis Armstrong days, like because all the jazz players. Well, okay, actually, stopped. jazz was one of the reasons why cannabis was illegal was made illegal because the black people were getting too powerful right and they're entering the mainstream too much and so a way to fight that is they're all smoking weed so you go after the weed and you turn into a racial thing it's such a racial thing the war on drugs but yeah jazz cabbage it's fun (laughs) (laughs) okay what about your favorite smoke session so far i did a show where I, I mean like I was in the ensemble meaning I was like a stagehand in a costume like I moved like a couch is what I did in the okay. show but it um it had like a um like a fairly well-known actor in it and there was like one day because we didn't have a show on the 4th of July and so this actor had us all over to their place and then like we all had this like giant cast wide epic smoke session Ooh. which was really cool because it was like the first time that I, I like spent time with like a 
person with like a notable name and then like we're just getting high together that was that was pretty cool that's a that good was a one. Cool one what about your favorite stoner movie oh lord okay 21 jump street i know it's not like strictly like stoner weed based it's so fucking funny so fucking funny man when they're when they're like going through the five cycles trying to talk to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah the gym teacher when they do it and then he comes back for his peter pan audition oh that's a great one <sighs> i i will i will take that as a stoner movie i will because there's uh there's it's drug filled yes it's drug filled <laughs> stoner adjacent stoner adjacent if heaven exists, what strain would be on your top shelf? Cushberry cheesecake. Like, that, I don't, you can't do better. I'm sorry. I've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the light. L.A. Kush, if you don't start sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> Give her money, L.A. Kush, money. You are... The third or fourth person. And I think I've only had four episodes out at this point. Cushberry Cheesecake or L.A. Kush? Cushberry Cheesecake in particular. They did it right because it's one smells like cereal. Like whenever, (laughs) whenever weed smells like what you're going to eat when you're on it, like Um, two, it's like it's like a nice like uppy, but it's not buzzy. Like it doesn't get you anxious, but you can like do shit on it. It's that euphoric. It's that exact euphoric high that I'm going for if I want to be out without yes. being like we said, like that anxiety provoking in my head, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's it is just it's so upbeat. It's such a great fucking strain. It's it's a great daytime high. It's a great project high. Like I just. That if that's all I had, like I'd be okay with it. Wow, Cushberry cheesecake by LA Kush guys. Okay. One, one more, so you don't just have everyone saying the same strain. Okay. Um, Tahoe Pie by Pure Beauty. It's indica dominant. It is so nice and mellow without being like couch locky. It's, mm-hmm. but it's also like fun. It's a good one. She's pretty. I remember that one from the cafe. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Pure Beauty. They have some phenomenal strains. Pure Beauty's been killing it. And like, I only knew them for the longest time as having like the joints that look like cigarettes, which mm-hmm. like does come in clutch. Yeah. Um, But like black gelato. Mwah. We're going to go into my final segment. Time to call your plug. So this is your moment to plug anything you're working on or any social media yeah. stuff. I know we laugh. We're like work. <laughs> Projects. What are those? Um, yeah. Any social media handles or websites, anything where people can find you? Yeah. Um, my handle on Instagram is Danny Crone at Danny Crone. D-A-N-N-Y-C-R-O-N. I'm on Twitter as well. Like I really only use twitter to like retweet progressive ideas and like progressive politics so if that's what you're into you can follow me on twitter if you're not there's no reason for you to follow me there um yeah most of my stuff is on instagram next time i have a project i'll be sure to come by and talk about it yeah has this time in quarantine inspired some new ideas or hopes or dreams for the future yeah i think that this has this time has really made me get my priorities straight and really get like what I actually want to do and how to go do that. You know, I I feel like I had so much time after college, like floundering, you know, and then like 
I had finally decided like what I want my life to be and like what I want my career to be and like all that. And I was getting some forward momentum on that. And then Corona happened, you know, so so this is this time here, it has really been one of like, investing in myself and in what I want and doing all that. So I, I'm actually like so excited to like, cause I feel like I've just been priming myself yeah. for like post COVID. So I can just like start like out the gate and like, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for you. I'm glad that you've been able to take this time to kind of reset and refocus and, and get back into alignment with why you came out here to begin with. Right. Thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. It was so good to see you. I've missed you. If I had a MySpace for the cafe, you would have been in my top eight. Oh my god, Kali! I'm so honored. <laughs> my my. It was a pleasure to like, see you every time. <laughs> my version of that was like my ideal like shift. You know, like yeah. who you want on the floor, you are always right there at the top. Ditto. You were always at the top. Ideally, I would be working with you 100. 100. Ten out of ten times. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a delight. It's been a pleasure. That's the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Bud Tender Podcast. Follow me at The Stone Journalist. Follow the show at That Bud Tender Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and keep getting high, my babies. Mm-hmm.